0: Well, David said we need to go twice as fast, so I said, well, we'll just both do it then. And we're going to be speaking at the same time.
1: We'll give you yeah. uh, the extra sheets there. Okay. And uh, most have them, but there's some that slipped in here that uh, might need some them. Some of them have uh, it, yet. Some of them. These that just slipped in. If you don't have a sheet, you might raise your hand and Dale will get to you. We're going to go for a land speed record today and cover uh, 10 chapters. Um, And so uh, that's why there's two of us. We figured one will figure out what they're going to say while the other one's talking. Uh, But if you will, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 41, and obviously with... Uh, our time today, we won't have time to dive in, do a deep dive in each chapter, but what we have done is just, uh, we'll do a brief overview of the chapter, um, but also um, point out a few key verses, uh, or verse or two in each each chapter. So I have uh, the first one, Genesis 41, Um, and in this chapter, Uh, We have where Joseph, this is Genesis 41, where Joseph interprets uh, Pharaoh's dreams. And uh, one night he's having a dream and uh, these uh, plump uh, cows came up and um, uh, seven uh, fat cows, if you will. But then later seven thin, scrawny cows came up and they devoured the fat cows. And he woke up. Then he has a second dream, and and in the second dream, you had uh, uh, seven thin ears of corn that swallowed uh, seven plump, full ears of corn, and he called everybody knew that to interpret uh, the dream, he couldn't do it, but then his chief cupbearer remembered uh, what Joseph had done for him and interpreted his dream and mentioned that to Pharaoh, so they pulled up Joseph knows it says out of a pit. So in jail, what he was actually in was a pit, which is interesting because that's exactly what his brothers threw him in uh, earlier on. But we have um, in verse sixteen, uh, Joseph appears before Pharaoh, and he says, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And so Joseph acknowledged that the power wasn't in him, it was in God. Then we have um, verse 28. Uh, Joseph said, uh, God has shown the Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then verse, uh, and then he interpreted the dream and basically that they were gonna have seven good years and then seven years of extreme famine. Um, And that's what he uh, predicted. So he suggested, verse 33, that Pharaoh set a discerning and wise man over all the land of Egypt. Well, that set good with Pharaoh, and one of our key verses is verse 38. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? And wouldn't that be wonderful if that was said of you and I um, by others? and Can we find a man like this? And whom is the Spirit of God? So Pharaoh set Joseph over everything, and uh, they stockpile the grain during the good years, and all of a sudden the fam- famine comes, and this is where our story kind of develops. And in verse 55, when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. That reminds us of, in the New Testament, uh, what story? Remember Jesus' first miracle? What did his mother uh, tell the people there? Whatever he says to do. Do. And um, so, uh, interesting uh, passage there, correlation, but that's basically a summary of Genesis 41. We'll tag you next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to believe it. We're both sitting here with timers on our phones. (laughs) Because David can be precise. I get started and I don't know when to stop. So, anyway, quickly... How many of you remember the days in television when we had Huntley and Brinkley commentators? Well, I'm Jim Huntley, and that's David Brinkley, so (laughs) here we are. Okay, we're going into chapter 42 now. It's been approximately 20 years since uh, Joseph had been sold into slavery and into Egypt. And it's no doubt in this current situation that him being now a ruler and wearing fancy clothes and speaking probably a different language or a different dialect. then the tone of his anger and his distrust uh, must have played a part. in the brothers not recognizing him because they remember him as a young man as being a very calm and gentle person. So they bow down to Joseph and he's reminded of his early childhood dream and that, that he had had and uh, this is apparently coming into play is in the relationship that they're about to have. So he questions his brothers. And he asks them, why are you here? And he charges them of being spies. And they were pretty much afraid at that point. And although he recognized uh, his brothers, they didn't recognize him. And he remembered his dream about them, and he said to them, you spies, you come to spy out our land to see what part might be unprotected. In other words, he's accusing them of getting ready to, to go to war with them. But they responded, oh no, my lord, your servants have come to buy food. We're the sons of one man, and your servants, and they keep using the term servant are honest men and not spies. So there's some lessons that we can take away from this. We learn about the omniscience of God. In other words, he knows everything. There's no question about that. And Joseph's demeanor, where he's speaking to his brothers in a mean and a rough manner, and questioning them and accusing them of being spies, which is something that can cause you to be put to death immediately the uh, the fact that that he hadn't seen them for 20 years but they tell him that we're not guilty oh yes we are guilty his blood is required so apparently no repentance had ever come into their thoughts process of how they dealt with him and you know In our lives even. The effects of problems can always cause us to recall our sins. And so God has chastened them to be better. My timer just went off. By the providence of God, the family of Jacob comes to Egypt to grow into this great nation that Abraham had promised them that they would be. So the takeaway... Just remember, sometimes we inadvertently or ignorantly think about the sorrows that we face in life. And we face them more than we can bear. And we, don't, we do nothing but feel sorry for ourselves. Rather than our trials produce God's character in us when we
1: suffer. David. So uh, Joseph's brothers had gone down to Egypt to get grain As they returned, um, Joseph had their money put back in to the top of their sacks of grain. And um, he had bound Simeon uh, there to keep them uh, so that basically they would come back. And so we find that his uh, uh, brothers go back home. Uh, Jacob doesn't like it. But Reuben makes his pledge at the end of 42 to kill my two sons if I don't return uh, back to, uh, and bring them back to you. Uh, what Joseph wanted to see was his younger brother, Benjamin. So Joseph's brothers returned back to Egypt with Benjamin. And um, verse 6 of, four, uh, of Genesis 43 when Israel or Jacob's remember uh, realizing what's about to happen he said, why'd you treat me so badly as to tell a man uh, that you had another brother and they he did not want them to take Benjamin I remember the two sons he loved most were Joseph which he's already lost and and Benjamin and so the way he closes out in verse 14, He basically agrees to let them go, but he says, May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your older brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. In other words, if they get killed, then they get killed, um, and and I'll be sorry uh, for that. I'll be bereaved. And so... Um, again, Judah pledges to keep Benjamin safe. Um, so they go down to uh, Egypt and they're scared. They're scared of Joseph because uh, they, their money had been returned to him. And so when they go before Joseph, he said in verse 23, one of our key verses, Peace to you, do not be afraid. This is Joseph saying to his brothers and they're worried about him. And he says, peace to you, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your, of your father has put treasure in your sacks uh, for you. I received uh, your money. So he's basically saying God took care of uh, re- return that money. Um, I, I got my money. Um, and, and so he, he comforts him. Well, then benjamin comes before him and remember uh, joseph had not seen him uh, just yet in verse 29 when he saw benjamin um, we see uh, verse 30 joseph hurried out for his compassion grew warm for his brother and he sought a place to weep and he entered his chamber and wept there so uh, again, his brothers still didn't recognize him. Even Benjamin didn't recognize him, but he certainly recognized them. And he was, uh, his heart was heavy uh, for that. Um, and I put down on your sheet that they eat together, with Benjamin having the biggest portions, and that's not entirely true. Um, it was an abomination for the Egyptians to eat uh, with the Israelites. Uh, with the Hebrews Uh, so they actually serve Joseph and his people first and then they serve uh, the Israelites but they're in the same room and after Joseph and them ate then uh, we see his brothers eat and Benjamin had the biggest uh, portion there Um, it says it was five times as much as any of theirs Um, that that's just interesting to me that um His plate was five times more. It was so obvious that he got the bigger uh, portion uh, there. All right, Jim. In chapter 44,
0: primarily we're looking at verses 33 and 34, but there'll be other uh, places in there. So Joseph has set a trap for his brothers by having his servants put not only their grain money back in their packs, but also his divining cup in Benjamin's sack. Now, after Joseph had successfully interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, apparently Pharaoh thought enough of that that he gave him a diviner cup. So the cup was possibly and more likely just a gift, not to be used for religious purposes so what is a diviner cup, or what is a diviner? It's basically someone that knows the answer to all questions. Roger, in other words. you Need to know something, ask Roger. He is our diviner. But seriously, the, these were things that were, they were, had gold in them, they had precious metals, and that had nothing to do with how they actually function. But a diviner was someone, supposedly, that could answer all questions, and that's the reason that Pharaoh had given this to to, uh, Joseph is because of the way he answered his prayers initially. So the brothers are feeling pretty good at this point. Not only do they have the grain, but they've got the money back also. And they're returning home with that and they're feeling pretty good. So quickly, a couple of points to remember. Sometimes when things are Seem too good to be true. Most of the time, they're not true. And it never dawned on them that they might be being set up. But they had not, at this point, even tried to reconcile their differences with Joseph because they didn't know who he was. So, you can almost feel the anguish that they were experiencing when they were accused in the words of Joseph's servants. It states that they stole Joseph's divining cup. And the pain multiplied for them when the cup was found in Benjamin's bag. So Joseph's actions, I think, were cal- calculated on his part to bring his brothers into submission, to, to, into repentance for what they had done to him. So the lessons learned, I think, in this case, where we are caught up in the problems and trials of life, they can be overcome by turning to God. The seven churches of Asia were tried with false teachers and persecution, yet they were promised that if they overcome, they would receive the crown of life. And even though Joseph treated his brothers harshly and roughly, they're finally redeemed, in a sense, when Joseph reveals himself to him.
1: So in uh, Genesis, uh, the very end of 44 there, uh, there's that verse where he says, how can I go back to my father if the boy's not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. And that just shakes Joseph up. He um, he's holding them right now. He he can do anything he wants to them. But that uh, statement that is made there um, by Judah, he, he he gets real shook up. So verse one, Joseph cannot control himself. This is Genesis 45, verse 1. Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by. So he said, make everyone go out from me. So he sent everybody out except for his brothers. In verse 2, he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and all the household of Pharaoh heard it. So here's Joseph just totally breaking down in front of his brothers. And uh, they still don't know what's going on. But in verse three, he says, I am Joseph. Can you imagine the words and what ran through them uh, when that uh, said? And he asked his first question is, is my father still alive? And of course, they're scared of him. But notice verse five. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So he's not even angry at his brothers. He realizes this is all part of God's plan. And here Joseph is sent uh, sent there to preserve the life of his own uh, family. And so verse eight, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his hosts and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. Verse 9, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. So God acknowledged that God, uh, I mean Joseph acknowledged that God was in his life and that he was in control of, of this whole uh, thing. And um, so he realized those things. So to, uh, to me the key in this chapter is verses 5 and 8 there where Joseph himself realizes that this is all part of God's plan. Uh, even all these things that have happened to Joseph, all the terrible things he realizes it's part of the plan. So he sends them back to, to his bro, uh, to his father. and um, he um, he t- says he's going to send him back, but Pharaoh hears about it uh, down in verse 17. And he tells um, Joseph, Pharaoh tells Joseph in verse 19, Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives and bring your father and come. Have no concern for your goods. The best of all the land of Egypt is yours. So he basically says, just get your people, come back to Egypt. The best of all Egypt is for you. Um, And then um, notice verse 24. So Joseph knows his brothers well. And if how many of you have been uh, uh, parents of boys, boys, I have not. But see if verse 24, if you can relate to this, then he sends brothers on the way and they departed. as they departed. He said to them, do not quarrel on the way. Does that remind you of anything? Uh, how about before a trip, reminding <laughs> boys to not quarrel along the way? Um, and Joseph says, don't quarrel along the way, but go back to my father. And notice what happened in verse 27. Uh, when they told their father about this, the spirit of their father, Jacob, revived uh, in that need, That. It just perked him back up that he heard about Joseph and all that. He thought things were coming to end, but he perked up. Having raised two boys,
0: that's the reason I don't have hair. He raised girls, and that's the reason he's got hair. (laughs) Okay. So, Jacob has traveled to Egypt. And his characteristics were that he was a, a man of great faith. And he, he worshipped God regularly. And we've, we've talked about a lot of different men in this study. A lot of the great men, Abel being one of them, Noah being one of them, Abraham and Isaac. But God here is speaking directly to Jacob. He's telling him not to be afraid to go to Egypt which seems like a strange command, but you have to put it in perspective because prior to that, that uh, Abraham had trouble in going to Egypt in Genesis chapter 12. And Isaac had previously been forbidden from going to Egypt in chapter 26. And additionally, God speaks to him and he tells him that it will be in Egypt that his being God. His promise of Israel becoming a great nation. That's where it will occur. And that's in chapter 12, chapter 28, and chapter 35. So we see the reunion of Jacob and Joseph in verses to about 28 through 34. Where they have a very, very emotional meeting. Remember, they haven't seen each other in. 20 years, and their departure was not something that you want to think about. It had been 20 years, and Jacob had been living that long, a father living that long, thinking that his son was dead. I can't imagine how he might have felt. So Jacob now feels like that all is well. Things are good. After seeing Joseph's face again, he's seen his son, so he's now, being an elderly man, being an old man, he says he's ready to die. Lessons learned. Don't ever underestimate the sovereignty of God. He is in charge of all the creation. And all the things that are going on in the world even today, even right now, are under his control. God uses sometimes sinful people for us to be able to accomplish his will. that Sometimes we encounter people that force us in the right directions. So God used Pharaoh uh, in Romans chapter 9 verse 7. He's used the Assyrian army in Isaiah chapter 10. And he goes along with, even used the Babylonians to bring his people into submission. God does not cause Joseph's brothers to do what they did. They did this on their own. That's a heavy burden to have laying on you. And it was God's will that the people of Israel be saved, to be spared from the famine. We read that in verse 45. And to save them from the evil influences of going back to Canaan. And to fulfill the promises that that he had made to them to make Israel a great nation, and that's in verse twelve, chapter, Genesis chapter twelve, David.
1: So uh, there, all Isaac, or I mean, pardon me, Jacob, Israel is coming with all his people. It's a big camp of them. It's seventy people and they're coming back into the land and Joseph meets them and and, um, Sarah and I used to, when we were first married, um, my first job was at Goshen High School, but it wasn't this Goshen that's mentioned uh, there. But Joseph uh, meets them in in Goshen and uh, he tells them, now when you go before Pharaoh, that last part of verse 34 in chapter 46, tell them you're a shepherd because that was an abomination to the Egyptians. Basically, so they could live by themselves. Uh, so in chapter 47, they uh, Pharaoh asked them, uh, verse 3, what's your op- occupation? Uh, they said, uh, your servants are shepherds as our fathers were. So he lets them go uh, to Goshen. But knows verse six. Um, he basically said, "Let them settle in the land of Goshen, and if you know any able, among, able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock." So here you have the Israelites; they have their livestock with them. But now uh, Pharaoh's putting all the Israelites in charge of his livestock, and um, we find an interesting verse in verse seven that. Jacob blesses Pharaoh uh, as he's before him and um, so then uh, verse 12 Joseph provided his father his brothers and all his father's household uh, with food according to the number of their dependents so the bottom line in this big famine uh, you have Joseph taking care of his family so here's the big famine in the land. And in verses 13 through the end of the chapter, you have what happens. And what happens is, just like the Israelites did, uh, they, the Egyptians had, Joseph had stockpiled all this grain. So as people need grain, what would they do? They came, brought their money to buy the grain. So Joseph collects all that money for Pharaoh. Well, then the following years, after all the money's run out, what did they do? They sell their livestock um, in verse 16, give your livestock and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money's gone. So he takes all their money, now he takes all their livestock. So then what do they do? The following year when, when all that's gone uh, from there, they basically say in verse 19, buy us and our land for food and we with our land will be ser- servants to Pharaoh. So basically, everybody in the land sells themselves and their land to Pharaoh in exchange for food. So Joseph, uh, through God's uh, providence here, has helped Pharaoh become extremely rich. And basically, everybody's a servant of, of Pharaoh, and they've amassed all this. Um, but one interesting thing. Verse 24, uh, what Joseph allows them to do is live on their own land. It belongs now to Pharaoh. But at the time of the harvest, you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and you keep four fifths. To my knowledge in the Bible, this is the the first principle, I guess you could say, of government taking money. But even though these people are slaves uh, to Pharaoh, he gets what percent? 20%. 20%. It's just interesting to me that uh, I don't know. I asked Roger before this morning about how much do we pay, but between all of our taxes, between sales tax and and all that, uh, the fifth um, would probably be even shy uh, there of of what we pay these days. But these are slaves now to Pharaoh, but they're uh, they're there to uh, to pay a fifth, um, there, uh, interestingly, but Joseph has basically made Pharaoh a very rich person, uh, because of interpreting, uh, this dream and leading that and taking care of the people.
0: Chapter 48, well, before we get to that, I just want to remind David that I don't want to be reminded about taxes because <laughs> they're coming up pretty soon, and I don't know what percentage it is, but, uh, When you're talking about weeping and gnashing of teeth, when I sign that check, it's almost like they're stealing my money. (laughs) But nevertheless. So in verse in chapter 48, Joseph has been told that his father, Jacob, is at the point of death. So he takes his two sons to see Jacob. And Joseph tells, excuse me, Jacob tells Joseph that he would recognize Jacob. Manasseh and Ephraim as his own sons in relationship uh, to dividing up the land of Canaan. And any other children, grandchildren that he might have had, he would give them the same consideration. He would recognize them as being the same and equal to Manasseh and Ephraim. And so, down in verses 15 through about 20, Jacob. Has considered himself to be blessed. That not only has he been reunited with Joseph, but also he's been reunited with two grandsons that he has never seen, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he embraces them very emotionally and kisses them in the loving way that only a grandfather uh, would do or would un- you would understand. I know how I am with my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and I'm telling you they make life not only interesting but very sweet. So Jacob wants to bless the two boys, the two grandsons. Remember the blessing being where he divides up whatever he is his. So he wants to bless these two boys. So Joseph lines them up so to speak. So that when Jacob could put his right hand on Ephraim's head, who was the firstborn, and uh, his left hand on Manasseh. But Joseph is surprised when he sees this and he attempts to change that to the opposite way as he assumes that Ephraim would be the one given the preeminence. But that was not to be. In verse 19, Jacob says, I know my son. He, too, will become great. So nevertheless, the younger brother would be greater than the older brother. And his descendants would become this great nation that God keeps promising his people. So what do we learn from this? First thing is Jacob recognizes God's blessings in his life down in verse 10 and 11. He speaks uh, immediately to that. Not only that, but Jacob also understands the power of God. We often underestimate the power of God. We see it in, it exhibited in all facets of our life, but sometimes we don't put it in perspective and realize how powerful it is. And the fact that Jacob has now found comfort and knowing about god and his redemption so we also have access to that redeeming power and it's through the blood of jesus that we are able to enjoy that and to have access to it there's a lot to be said in all these stories in all these verses and the things that we have talked about but if we can just take away from this god is in control God is good and God is merciful and we have our hope of heaven that lies right into his hands.
1: So Jacob uh, has blessed Joseph's two sons but he calls all of his sons together in chapter 49 so he calls all them together he says gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen in days to come so He does an individual blessing for each son, uh, each of his sons that match them. Um, If you look at verse 28, it says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to to him. Um, Just as a little side note, uh, I think in our culture we've, We've lost sight of this idea of the blessing, and we we don't we all realize the power of words, but especially the power of words that come from our parents. And I think one of the, the neat things uh, that we see in this is where Jacob is passing on this uh, this blessing to each of his sons. And he's saying something that that matches individually. With them. Now, it's not necessarily money days, bless them. It's, it's powerful words that match them. And to me, it's key and at uh, key points in our kids' lives to do that. Um, I'm certainly not perfect, but one of the things we did uh, with our youngest, we, we did not do this with our oldest, but uh, on her 18th birthday, we, we asked her, who's the 10 people that. Um, influence you the most who are the 10 ladies that you would love to hear wisdom from and we gathered them together some of them were distance uh because of where they live some of them wrote letters and some actually did uh facetime and that kind of thing but some were right there in our home and they gave words of advice to to her as a 18 year old um That's similar to what's happening here at the close of Joseph's life. There's two I want to point out. Verse 10, when it comes to Judah, it says, um, verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. This is a prophecy, of course, of Jesus, um, and uh, what's going to happen uh, there, And so th- we have that prophecy. Then we find in verse t- uh, 22 when it talks about when it goes to Joseph. Notice what's said in verse 23. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. So here's Joseph. He's basically saying everything, he's been attacked by every way. But he remained steadfast. He was, Joseph was one of character and endurance there. So after this, he tells his sons, after he's blessed each one of them, he says, I'm going to be buried where basically my dad, uh, where my parents were buried and where my grandparents were buried, where uh, Abraham um, and Isaac were all buried. He tells them to bury him that uh, there and then at the close of this in verse 33 after he said all these things notice verse 33 when Jacob finished commanding his sons he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people pretty powerful interesting thing I can't imagine his sons being there they've heard a blessing from each of them uh, about each of them and then He says, okay, I'm going to be buried. Uh, He tells him where he wants to be buried, and then he draws up his feet, breathes his last breath, and dies. So up
0: to the final chapter, chapter 50. We see Joseph fell on the face of his father, and he wept bitterly and kissed him. The passing of Jacob in the presence of his sons. It had to be a very moving, a very emotional uh, time in their lives. And in Egypt, there's a mourning period where they mourn the dead for 70 days. And more than 40 of those days it took for the embalming process. So when those days of mourning uh, were over Joseph asked Pharaoh for permission to bury his father in the land of Canaan, as David had just pointed out. And Pharaoh consented to that, which kind of is a surprise. But inasmuch as Jacob had made Joseph promise to bury him there, uh, Pharaoh consented. And so Joseph, in a, as the scripture says, Uh, In verses 4 through 9, a very large uh, entourage of people and animals uh, and his family left Egypt and went to Canaan to bury him. So in verses 15 through 26, now we come down to the final days of Joseph's life. His His brothers have a problem. Now they've got to face the fact that with the Passion of Jacob, their father, that Joseph might even seek revenge on them for what they had done. So Joseph, excuse me, Joseph assured them that all was well between them and that he had forgiven them. I want you to read with me uh, in chapter 50, verses uh, 15 through about uh, 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may, may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you will say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers, And their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of your father. And Joseph wept when he spoke to them. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. For, excuse me, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about, as it is to this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What a man that can forgive his brothers for what they did to him over a 20-year period. And if you've ever had, or if you've ever been uh, at odds with a family member for any length of time, I can tell you it is a very, very heart-wrenching occasion when you are finally, finally, finally reunited. So that brings the story to what I call a sweet ending. It's been a pleasure to have served you. We uh, look forward to uh, the next quarter, wherever that leads us. And David... I finally figured out how to go fast. (laughs) Use the clock.
1: Well, again, I appreciate uh, your attention through this and your bearing uh, with us as we kind of cover the last 10 chapters. But hopefully, and Jim said it well a while ago, hopefully we see in this this book, uh, which covers really the most time frame in the Bible, uh, the largest amount of time uh, in the Bible, but we see an all-powerful being that created heaven, created man. Then he uh, basically covered the, um, because of wickedness, covered uh, the world with water and uh, giant flood. But we see he was al- always mindful of individuals who tried to serve him. There is always a plan. We see that there's always a plan. We're part of that plan. We see that uh, prophesied all throughout this book. So it, we can't forget the things of Genesis. We can't think, forget the things of the Bible. We have to realize it's on us to be part of God's plan, to follow him and, and serve him each and every day. And hopefully this book brings you a little bit closer uh, to doing uh, just that. I think next quarter... Uh, does anybody know I was told who was teaching? But uh, we'll get that uh, to <laughs> you. Oh, yes, Mr. Warren and and Daryl Debris. Debris, yes, uh, the two of them. And what's y'all's topic again? Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. We look forward to uh, hearing that. You're dismissed. You're right. <laughs> dismissed.